I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. Welcome to Self Helpful. I'm your guide, Kevin Miller, and I curate the sea of new personal development messages to bring the most influential leaders onto this show. Join me as I question my guests to better understand their counsel so we can all integrate the wisdom into our lives because we all want to elevate our own experience and improve the way we show up for others. The Self-Helpful Podcast is presented by Ziggler, your premier source for equipping coaches. Visit Ziggler.com. Hello, self-helpful listeners, and welcome to the peak wellness episode where we seek to strengthen our bodies, our foundations, and build our lives on top of them. In this episode, why fit kids are literally smarter. Our guest today is Dr. Daniel O'Neill. Uh, he's an orthopedic surgeon, sports medicine doctor, and sports psychologist. And Dr. O'Neill is leading the charge to help our kids and his book is called Survival of the Fit, How Physical Education Ensures Academic Achievement and a Healthy Life. Our kids are more and more sedentary. I think we all know that. They're getting fatter and out of shape and sicker, and the consequences are pretty dire as their brains grow and function out of the health of their bodies. Schools are doing away with physical education and activity, and us parents aren't always fostering play and activity and are letting the kids sit still on screens all day. My co-host is Randy James, medical doctor and functional medicine expert, my dear friend, and we struggle with this just as every other parent does. We want smart kids. We want resilient kids, kids who don't fall into depression. So what do we do about it? That's what this show is about. Uh, you can find Dr. Daniel O'Neill at uh, survivalofthefit.net, survivalofthefit.net, and find his book anywhere. And hey, quick note, you can watch this full episode on YouTube if you want. Just search for Self-Helpful with Kevin Miller. Dan, as soon as I was contacted by uh, your people uh, you know, on this topic, I mean, it's one that not only do Randy and I talk about it on the show, talk about this, this issue of kids and, and wellness and what's happening in the culture, but we're living it. Uh, we've got kids our, ourselves and we've got, especially kind of our muse right now is middle school boys. Uh, wow. you've got, he's 14, right? Well, so my oldest, <clears throat> excuse me, just started high school. So yeah. it, we've wow. been in and I have one in middle school. We are in the middle of basketball season. Yeah. We are, we're in it. Yeah. Well, and I've yeah. got uh, 15 and 16 year old boys as well. And dealing with this, 
active lifestyle, athlete or not athlete, which I know you, you talk about. And ultimately, you know, everybody's sitting there going, okay, if I hear this message, how do I inspire my kids? So I'm eager to get into that, but I appreciate what you've done just to really say, look, this is what's happening. I mean, right now in this culture, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll put this to you. This is a question that I, I got given to me last night. I thought, that's a great question for guests is right now, as you're looking at this, what most worries you? <laughs> what most worries me is that we are very clearly losing the war against you know the two-dimensional entertainment and the ultra-processed foods and these kids are not happy and and i think that that's the saddest part is that if, if these kids were happy if they were like you know you had nothing when you were growing up we have these great you know eye boxes and 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 uh uh, and computers and all this stuff and we're just having the ball but they're not having a ball they're anxious they're depressed uh it's just it's so sad to me they because they're so disconnected from from mother nature and from the world well and what is the terminology that we talk about is, is it is it uh, uh deaths of despair what's the is that the yeah. the diseases of diseases despair, of despair. Right. diseases yeah right. yeah and go ahead right. I'm sorry, when, when I make the statement that this generation will have a shorter lifespan than the last, uh, um, part of that is the diabetes and the high blood pressure uh, that the kids have now, but also a big part of that, as, as you know, is, is, is the d uh, diseases of despair. And our world is, is, yeah, they're just, we're not happy because we've forgotten about our primitive brain. And whether we like it or not, we are not different than 200,000 years ago. And on a, a, my, a talk I gave the other night, you know, I have a picture of that um, Geico caveman, you know, uh, on the talk. But we, uh, we really still are the Geico caveman, but we're not recognizing that. And when we, when we have road rage or when we try to, you know, leave the lights on all night and not sleep and mess with our circadian rhythms, we're basically saying that no, no, we can, we don't need you anymore, primitive brain. But, but that's where all the depression and that's where all the obesity and that's where so much of the stuff stems from, uh, in my opinion. I just have to comment on the road rage in my house. You know, I think our kids, it's not road rage, but holy cow, is their Xbox rage? Yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you're you talked about play and, and again this is a topic we come into so much we just haven't done the, done the the focus on it that you have but as kids looking back to my childhood and the lifestyle that we had i mean there were three stations and pbs you know not much going on and after school school was pe it was recess and for my recess man we were just running like mad and uh and then afterwards what is there to do i mean i would read i was a big reader but ultimately i'd end up out on my bike and we're building ramps and we're you know exploring things and now of course as you talk about kids to play do not have to get up off of their butt for a, a quicker uh, more exciting dopamine hit I, I guess they don't have to and so we're stuck as parents and that's what's on my heart so much as how do we 
manufacture this. We've got to get them off and say, no, put down that thing that's so fun and go out and inspire. And even with my kids who get it, I mean, my kids truly get it. They understand health and wellness. I don't have to, they understand, but it's still the lure. It's right Right. there. Yeah. So, and I know that uh, the two of you have, have spoken about this, but the big thing for me is, is this concept of physical identity. And that's a phrase that I uh, came up with, but we are born with a physical identity. And that's why you don't need two-year-olds. You don't need to tell two-year-olds to play. You don't need to tell them to dig into the dirt and and pull out the worms and and put them in their mouths. You don't need to tell them. Two-year-olds are not going to go in front of a screen if they have a choice of mother nature. Mother nature will win every time. But then what happens is as they get older, particularly as they start getting school age, you know, you've got to be able to sit down for a certain amount of time and this and that. And then we start training them and we start training them to to get in front of um, televisions. One of the things I, I remember from 20 or 25 years ago, um, this family that uh, used to babysit my dog, I'd go over there and... The mother said, watch what's going on here. And it was a show called Blue's Clues. I don't know if that's still around. Yeah, I, I, my, my kids yeah, saw it, yeah. Right, and I guess that Lori, who, who has a degree in education, thought this was so amazing how, the, how, it, how it affected her, you know, her child at the time, her, her young child at the time. And um, so, so the kids are getting addicted to this stuff you know, Sesame Street wasn't around when I was a kid, but, you know, Sesame Street was one thing and that was very educational. But the Blue's Clues thing, I don't know how much education there is. In it. I never I didn't watch more than a few minutes. But the bottom line is, is that they learned how to addict our children. I, le- I use that word very purposefully. They addict our children and and Facebook obviously is an addiction and 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 um, um Call of Duty it is an addiction and all these things. And they're in, incredibly um, uh, good at it. And, I, and again, I talk about it a lot, but in my heart of hearts, I don't really understand it because I've, I haven't been addicted to it, you know? And most of our generation, sorry, pull you guys up with me, but you know, you know, if you're, if you're 50 or, or, or 40 or better, you haven't been uh, affected by this stuff, but these kids are, and it's, it's horrifying. Hey, Dan, just <clears throat> for our information, how old are you? I'm 64. 64, okay. 50, yeah. and 52. So yeah. we're, cl- we're closer to you than we are to our kids. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You know, you talk about, I, I appreciated you talking about physical identity because I've talked about, I've, well, again, going to my two middle school boys that one he likes the athletic aspect of that. He kind of wants that piece of his identity to be attached to that. My other one doesn't at all. He could care less. He would rather just read. Again, he understands the benefit of movement and exercise and whatnot. But we've talked about that, about the way well, you talk about it in the book. You've got the nerves and the jocks, right? And you automatically attach to one of those. As kids, we were both on the jock side for the most part, at doing sports. More jockey than nerdy. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And, but I mean, we talked about it even with adults these days. I mean, how many people associate with being an athlete? I mean, very few, less and less, you know, every day. And so again, yeah, they, the physical identity. I, I, again, I like that term. We're going to continue talking about that long after this interview. 
to what a great piece to put towards people is what is your physical identity? Because I assume that it's just a bigger and bigger void these days. There's not, is that what you're saying? That there's not one really? You have one, it's in your genes. It's in that primitive brain, but we pound it out of you. And we don't pound, and, and, and the, the bottom line is, is that as, as you pointed out, your listeners are the 20%, you know, if we want to yeah. use the 80, 20 rule. Yeah. And, and so are you guys. And so am I, we are the 20%. We have never lost our physical identity and your kids have not lost their physical identity. However, a big chunk of our population has, and, um, and, and that's why when I was listening to your conver- your earlier conversation talking about athletic identity and, and Britt Brewer, we talk, I talk about this in my book, you know, kind of made that term popular. Um, and what's ha- the other big problem that we're getting into besides the kids losing their physical identity is at the age of seven, they start identifying as athlete and non-athlete. So by the age of seven, if your child has lost their physical identity, if they're identifying as a non-athlete, they're screwed in the 21st century. You know, they've got big problems because they're going down the road of, uh, of video games and, and, and bad food. And it's, and it's, it's, it's the saddest thing in the world to me. And that's what I wanted to ask you about is the kind of outline. I mean, right at the beginning of, uh, you know, your book and your information, you talk about we've got American children, 30 percent overweight, 20 percent in the obese category, 25 percent diabetes or prediabetes. And then the increase in you know depression, stress, uh, anxiety at record levels. You know, what is the. Because I think as a, as, a, as a culture and as parents, we just, you know, ah, you know they, they point off, yeah, kids are addicted to the screens. You know, that's all they want to do. And we just kind of push it off and we figure, you know, if they're also smart, they're learning these things, they can do great on the computers. They're going to go off and get jobs or whatever. But what is the cost that we're, that you would say, guys, you're not getting it. You're not understanding what the true cost is now and is, and is projected to be out here as a result of this. Yeah, I mean, the true cost is billions and billions of dollars in health care and billions and billions of dollars in, in mental health care um, because these kids are, 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 are suffering. And the other point I make is when I was a kid and we would steal cigarettes from our parents because they all smoked, um, we were going to get sick from cigarettes in our 50s and 60s and 70s. These kids are sick now and we're not doing anything about it. And... The other really depressing thing that I talk about in uh, in the book is I think that this generation is lost. And I think that our my, my wife's a, a seventh grade teacher. I think our our middle schoolers and, and, and high schoolers, I think that they're gone and we can't. They are they are addicted. And when you or an obese person, and 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 you guys know this very well. And and you try to uh, lose weight. You know, you try to lose hundred pounds, two hundred pounds. I'm I'm seeing a guy um, uh, next week, uh, four hundred forty eight pounds. You know, I mean, just you're right, <laughs> exactly. What is it? Is it an astronomical amount of weight? It might be the biggest guy I've ever seen. 
for those people to lose weight, it is an avocation for them, just like with your bike racing and such. It becomes an avocation. It is something that they have to put an enormous amount of energy and time into to keep that weight down and watch their diet like hawks. And what's my exercise today? I mean, it's a really hard thing to do. And to ask your middle schooler, to stop being addicted. And, and this kid's uh, picture was on the front page of the Sunday Times a couple of weeks ago. But to try to, to, try to get them off that is a, it's a huge task. It's not like losing uh, 300 pounds, but it's a huge task. My feeling is we've got to go into our school systems now and get the kindergartners and then make sure they get physical education every day. They don't lose their physical identity. And then next year when they're first graders, now we've got kindergarten and first grade. And then next year we've got second and first and kindergarten and slowly build that up. So literally in 20 years, we're going to have a population of, of, of people that are much healthier and have not lost their physical identity. And hopefully we can flip that 80-20 uh, 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 scale around. You know, is your focus, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, Robert Koch on the show, you know, one of our top 20 wealthiest people on the planet. And, oh. and, he, yeah, and he's talking about really looking at institutions for change, the power of institutions, which, man, I get it. We talk so often about the blue zones, you know, Dan Buhner's blue zones. Yeah. And one of the best things for your health is to be in an environment of health. So here you are talking about the institutions of education primarily. And I know you're, you're focused to make PE, you know, year around. So I understand that. And my balance, or not my balance, I guess, but the question then is, Obviously, over here on the parental side, I mean, there's your there's your two areas. I mean, can can you can we how much of a change can we make on the institutional side or can we make with the kids from the institutional side if it's not being advocated over here from the parents? Can I yeah, can I course. put a cor corollary Please. on there, Dan? So <laughs> I did notice in your book and I'm not sure how to say his name. Dr. Rady, the Harvard psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah John Ray. John Rady, yeah. Rady. Yeah. And so that book was very influential to me yeah. in yeah. 13, 14, 15, somewhere back there, connecting. Uh, the, so in my own home and family, there was, a, there was an impact. But back then, he was saying, okay, let's look at this school system. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, there, it's proven. And then the, the La Sierra High School, and <clears throat> it's proven. So... Now we're back to the institutional and parental question. The data is there. <laughs> There's no doubt. So why are we still pulling back on PE within the system when the data, which is what the system is built to run off of, is, it, I'm confused. <laughs> and in, in, in my home, I can institute a, a rule but then they go to school and, and again, we're in the middle of it. And part of my COVID awareness for my teenagers is as a parent, I was also not relying on, but I, I enjoyed the fact that the school had parameters and forever it structure, was structure that it was structure. Yeah. That's the better word. Yeah. Fall sport, winter sport, spring sport. There was never not a sport. And then for 18 months, my kid had school and then nothing. And unless I came in and gave him a chore or said, go outside, and then it, I'm the enforcer and the problem in his mind, 
So, well, I got off onto COVID there. I'm going to put the question back to you. So the data is there. You're in, you're at a national level now talking to people. What, what's the resistance? (laughs) Well, it just seems so easy. (laughs) I love that. I love the fact that you said that because Right. With Rady's book was a uh, was you would think a game changer to a large extent because and, and and the other study that I point to in the book was 2013. So this data was all coming out. So we were be so then my theory was, well, in you know, all politics is local. Right. So in, unless you do it in your home district. People aren't going to believe it. People aren't going to believe the data from Naperville, Illinois, right? So I we started a little program at one of the elementary schools here. And I was talking on the phone with Charlie Bash, who's a, a big uh, uh, public health guy d- down in uh, Columbia. And I said to Charlie, I said, yeah, Charlie, I said, uh, we're, you know, running a little study. at all. He, I, he was going to reach through the phone and, and throttle me because exactly what you just said. He says, we don't need any more data. Stop <laughs> with the studies. It's over. We got the data. There's no question what's going on. So thank you for saying that. There is no question. Nobody can argue with this. It's climate change. We have the data. Now, what are we going to do about it? What we're going to do about it is work through the school system because like it or not, parents, you have abdicated your duties in this case. And, mm-hmm. and I don't blame you entirely for that. You were fighting against something that you, you had no business fighting. You got in the ring with Ali and his prime. You had no chance in this fight. And we had Christmas dinner uh, here a, a, many, a number of years ago. And it turns out my nephew came with an attitude and I wasn't ready for it. So when I told him to take his hat off before dinner, there was a fight he, and, and I didn't see it coming. And all of a sudden I'm like, what? We're, we're fighting about a hat. And we didn't see, parents did not see this coming because they didn't live it. They had no idea about how addictive Call of Duty is. They had no, they, they had some idea about how addictive McDonald's is, but they're only getting more addictive. And so they didn't see it coming. So the bottom line is, is that the parents have abdicated their duty here and somebody's got to take it up. And that's where the school comes in. So for at least 180 days, we can get that child's heart rate up. We can get that child moving. And hopefully we can hold on to that child's physical identity. And then on the weekends and in and, and the summertime, the child will say, you know, we had, used to have a lot of fun <laughs> running around playing yeah. uh, in gym class. Maybe we should do that here. You know, it's interesting, too, as I think about it, as we look at the institution of education and, you know, we're in my family with my kids. We've done everything we've done homeschool. We've done private school. We've done part time school. We we kind of we just flip around according to the season and what's going on, what we want to try. Um, But, yeah, you're right. We have. If we have our kids in school, and I'm thinking, because right now we both do, I, I've got three of mine at least in, uh, right now they're going five days a week now. Uh, and nice. so I took them in, we leave the house at 7.15, uh, drive down and drop them off a little after 7.30, pick them up at, 
at three. Now, thank goodness, most of my kids are involved. You know, they're going to go to dance, gymnastics, or or running, or whatever. But even from a time standpoint, if I'm going to put my kids in public school, there's so little time, especially if you've got some things happening after school before dinner happens and whatnot, to even have them do a physical activity if it's not happening at school. So it does draw me to where your your focus is of focusing on the institution. But then if the place is a place for academia, for learning, we all know that, you know, start off in the morning with your exercise and you increase your BDNF. Why wouldn't the school do that? Even the high school to say, okay, homeroom class, we're going to do 15 minutes of calisthenics just yeah. to get the brain running well. But with the little ones, how often does this happen? This happens at my house. Every once in a while, it'll be a Saturday. The kids are there. We've had a lazy morning and they're just kind of jumping off the walls. And it occurs to me, oh my gosh, go outside, get on the trampoline because you guys are exerting this energy. What would the behavior change, even of the kids to start off the morning, especially for the lower age kids start off the morning with that exercise. It makes me think as a parent, am I better off to get them up even earlier? And for 15 minutes, we're going to do a HIIT workout so that they're smarter <laughs> and better behaved at school. That would be something they'd be talking about as adults. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My father. Um, but you're absolutely right. And we know academics and, 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 and you know, the big mantra I put in the book, there is no STEM without fitness. And and the reason that after No Child Left Behind in 2002 was instituted and, and they took 50 percent of the time away from P.E. and they put it into English and math. Hmm. The reason English and math scores did not improve is the kids are not fit enough to learn. They're not fit enough to learn math. That's why we're still down with Croatia and 37th in the world in math uh, um, uh, uh, knowledge. The kids are not fit enough. They don't have that. Their, their, their bellies are full of horrible food and Pop-Tarts and whatever they've had for breakfast. And and, and that was one of the things we did our, at our local school. We had the gym teacher or somebody coming in early and getting their heart rates up. And so that way, like you say, boom, they're ready to go. They're ready to learn. Yeah, their capacity. I mean, that's a word we... We, yeah. I was just going to go to the brain's resilience, the brain's capacity to actually learn. And, you know, facetiously, I, I tell my son, too, who I think has retained his physical fitness identity. And we're just we're, we're seeking the balance with the I love the, the two dimensional entertainment. And I'll say, you know, I bet you'd be a better gamer after you go exercise. And I think you really would if you truly valued what, you know, his thing is destiny and as opposed to call of duty or, or whatever <laughs> it is that they're playing these days. Yeah. And so we facetiously say that. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, 
but getting them to actually give their payment info is. And Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to think about 20,000 breaths. According to the EPA, the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to 100 times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. No idea what's floating in the air that I'm taking constant gulps of. The solution is an air purifier and Air Doctor is just the best. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, bacteria, viruses. They do it so your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. I'm thinking about it too. I mean, I was saying it kind of facetiously, but as I say it, why not? Why? Oh, 10 minutes. 10 minutes of a hit, burpee, whatever that they're going to do. By definition, like you say, we have the data. And you've yeah. you've contributed to more data. We have another <laughs> national level smart guy saying we have the data. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's... but I, I have abdicated the I'm also thinking of my kid, you know, 20 years from now going to a, a counselor saying my dad made me do burpees in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and what what's the consequence? That's right. But it would be great just thinking about it. Um and 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 you know and the other, the other, I mean, there's so many, you know, examples, but, but what's the one thing to stave off Alzheimer's and you guys, again, are, are a bit yeah. behind me on this one, but this is something that I think about, you know, probably too often. And the one thing we know is not Sudoku's and it's not crossword right. puzzles and it's not learning the piano. Oh, that's a good one, but it's, it's the exercise, you know? And, and, and so why, if it works for 70 year olds, it would make sense that it work for seven-year-olds, you know? I mean, we don't have to keep reinventing the wheel here. We, we have so much data. And you look at your puppy dogs. Their lives are so much better if they've had a good run, right? I mean, this is not magic, this is, which is why I, I make a big deal about the octopus. Yeah. So, Dan, I'm, I'm, re, I'm, I'm just redoing another to-do box saying, okay, what you said about smoking, like we all grew up with, oh my gosh, if you smoke, when you're 50, you're going to get cancer. But right now, we have the evidence that if I don't, as a father, institute a line, a structure of when you can play, when you cannot play, what, what these lines are, then I'm sending my kid down a pathway of increasing likelihood of illness at 18, 
of right now. And why would I expect my 10, 13, or 15-year-old to be able to institute their own structure when, like you said, Blue's Clues was designed to get your eyes on the screen. Mm -hmm. There's smart people behind this, and we talked about Social Dilemma and Childhood 2.0 and all of these. The data is there. There's no doubt about it. The addictiveness is there. So I am morally obligated, much to my daunted, intrepid, I'm, I'm worried about the conversation over dinner tonight, <laughs> is to say, I have to pull the plug. I have to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the consequences of my kids wrestling through that, and maybe they have to go to a counselor later on, but that's about a 1% chance versus a much higher percent chance that if I don't do that, <laughs> some other odd consequence is going to be there. Well, thank you, Dan, for ruining my dinner tonight. I'm just going to blame you and say. <laughs> and by the way, you also, you know, you guys are, have been proponents for this, for the whole food thing. So at least I'm, I'm expecting your dinner to be somewhat healthy for these kids. But, um, yeah. but the other thing is, right, you've, you've got to give them a healthy dinner. Um, the other thing that you 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 touched on was, and and. I, I hesitated, uh, but I still did, uh, getting myself in trouble mentioning this, this concept of cooperation and, and that these kids need to play to learn how to do things and, 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 and flexibility and cooperation. And, you know, the people in uh, Washington are probably older. They wouldn't fall into that category. But, there's, you know, maybe if they got more exercise, there'd be more cooperation and they'd pick sides for ball games, And... Um, but it really is. There's so much that play gives gives uh, the kids that it's just like you say. Yeah, it's it's you've got to they've got to experience it. Well, it's drawn me. Well, actually, it was, it's been Randy's example. So I was a you know I was a pro athlete, and I really got kind of burnt out with my experience there. The you know, kind of the self focus and narcissism of of the, the the elite sport that I was in, and so I had my first set of kids at least. And I just didn't advocate sports, you know, mm -hmm. uh, organized sports. I didn't. Now we did a lot of active, we had an active family, active lifestyle, but it was seeing his kids. It really brought me back into advocating my kids to get into organized sports because of you said cooperation and just, man, the overcoming that they experience. Uh, in that it's made me more of an advocate as a parent to have your kid, you know, in a sport and back to what you're talking about now, if we can't rely on the school structure to be doing PE, to be having them active at recess or even doing recess or what, whatnot, then the next step is what can we do structured on the other side, whether it's a sport. So like, let's take my, my one kid who's, he's not, he's just not competitive. He doesn't care or whatever. Well, you know, I've got a kid in gymnastics right now and she's not thinking of being competitive. It's just improving. So what's, you know, maybe this kid, I should get into karate as a discipline, not as an athletic thing, not as a sport, not as a competition, but it's something where he's going to go. I'm going to drop him off. He's going to have structure and it's going to be a discipline because it is. Yeah. When you talk about correlation and I do talk to my kids about this, I see the, the bookshelf behind, you know, here's mine of all the people now, including you that I've had on shows, I've got, you know, over 150 of these world leaders and influencers. And I've yet to find one when I talk to them about their healthy habits and we hit on the physical side and they go, nah, hundred percent, hundred percent sedentary. I haven't found one. I have, I've got <laughs> some that have said, man, I really struggle with it. 
And most of, most of them, I've had a couple who said, you know, I still hate it, but I have a personal trainer because I know what it does for my brain and my kids get that. But we, as a culture, again, we've, we've lost it. It's like the lost art of physical movement. Yeah. Yeah. And and I know uh, you guys have talked about this, um, but we are, our brains are built for our bodies, right? It's not the other way around. Our brains are built so we can use these incredible hands and these and then these big uh, buttock muscles to to run over the savanna and this and that and so we we really we have to move our bodies and engage our bodies in in order to get that uh, get those uh, uh, neurons firing and getting back to our brain and uh, right and if we don't do that um things are just not going to work well um and so it's 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 you have to you have to have the the movement again it gets back to that primitive brain concept we absolutely have to have that and we dumb it down to 10,000 steps but really we were doing twice that you know uh, as hunter gatherers and that's how we were we have evolved and that's where we are now and we have to use our bodies to keep the brain going for sure so as we so often say it un, not unfortunately but actually fortunately it boils down to, and, and for me on the medical side of things, a, a theme that I would say in functional medicine, and especially the way we do it, is your life, meaning what you do, what you eat, how you move, your life is your main medicine. Exercise, movement is a prime, not, not basic, not simple, not old, not whatever, no, no, no prime medicine for your brain, for your heart, for your liver, for your kidney. And if you don't do it, then your lack of exercise is your main poison. It is your main toxin, your main deficiency, just like sleep, just like fasting, moments of not eating, just like relationships, cooperation with other people. If you're in a toxic relationship, it is your prime toxin. And, you know, nowadays we have this five plus trillion dollar medical system that people want to rely on to give them then their happiness, their fulfillment and sense of purpose and meaning. And Kevin and I joke all the time where I, I invite people into a practice and invite them to eat nothing and go outside and move around. It's like, that's your best medicine. And only now is part of that $5 trillion system figuring out the actual elegant, mysterious science behind it all. And that's your, your blending of the social and, and the, uh, the hard sciences is to say, yeah, the hard sciences are way behind in proving this, but we're getting there. And like you said, the data is there. We don't need to wonder if exercise is a requirement. Well, I, I want to ask you to unpack that, though. You're just talking about the hard and the soft because you guys are talking medical ease stuff. So for the lamest terms, unpack that real quick, Dan. Well, I, I, I like the fact that you don't pull punches. And, and one of the promises I made in, in the book was not to pull any punches. Using words like addicts, addiction and using words like toxin I think is 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 not hyperbol hyperbolic. I think that's really, you know, key that this stuff is is not optional. 
this is really bad for you. This is bad for your health. And, and, and I almost feel like as a society, maybe we, we want to make everything okay. And we want to, uh, your choices are fine and this and that. And, and, and we've been talking, uh, I've gotten involved with this other fellow who's big on the nutrition side of things. And we talked to this one group who run these uh, uh, private schools and they were talking about, they, they use the word choice. And, and I said, I don't know if we can give choice to teenagers because they're polluted. They're, 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 they're addicted. And, and, there are just some things that where it's not, it is more black and white than we want to say. And I think that we as a society want to be gray all the time and, and everybody's opinion is okay. And, and this is all okay. And, and, and it's not because we are again, these piles of protoplasm. So with the sports psych component, I, I call myself a physical sports psychologist. It has to start with the, with the um with the body and and uh, i had somebody ask me on a podcast it was more of a, a you know sports psych thing and well what's your one you know thing that you would say for for the sports psych uh, aspect of competitions and stuff i said they should get stronger they should get fitter because <laughs> the fitter you are going in to that competition that's your psych that's where you're going to feel better about it and so yeah, I, I I I love the the stuff that you guys talk about because you don't you don't uh, try to parse it. You're you know, I, I was going to say when you're saying that there's, we just talked about it the other day where you're saying as you get older there's more gray, and then we we bounce around on that and so back to the teenagers, you know, I have a 15 year old and and I said let me just tell you, this is black and white, if you don't do the work ahead of time to get your driver's license on time, which used to be when we were kids, on day one of being 16, I was ready to oh go. Oh my gosh, yeah. And these kids these days, he's you not getting ready. I'm saying this is going to be black and white. In this town, we live in a small town, you will walk. Yeah. As long as it, because now we're a month after your time, it's gonna, you're gonna be walking for a month. <laughs> and if you want to drive the car prior to 16, it's black and white. No, right? Like you, we tell our teenagers, you can't drive. They might identify as 16 years old in a day, but it doesn't matter. You can't drive. There's a black and whiteness here. And that's where I, I think I agree. We we're so worried about offending and we have such a problem with <clears throat> overweightness that we talked before about in the Target stores, I was shopping and, and the pictures on the wall Granted, I don't think we need to have anorexic, irrationally looking people like everybody has to be this beautiful or whatever that is, but then we make it okay to be morbidly obese. And it's not, we're not being fair to, to, these, to these kids who can't make the decision or to even people. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The, you know, the, the word obesity, and it's heartbreaking and it doesn't make you a bad person. It, it's, it's, it's something that we have done to you as a society. So many of these younger people, we've allowed you to be obese. That is not your natural state. Go back just, you know, two, two or three generations, you know, in, in my 
class, I remember we had a kid who was obese and this poor boy, now looking back on it, I feel so bad. He was the fat kid in the in the school, you know, and it's heartbreaking now. And 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 but but now, he wouldn't be just a fat kid. There'd, there'd be a, you know dozens of him, and and it's and and it's it's health, and it's happiness, and it's not that I care what you look like. That has nothing to do with it. I care what your heart is doing to push uh, the blood through that, and I care what your brain is doing with with the. Uh, chemicals that you've got that are making you unhappy it's it's just not it's the, and we're again we are the adults in the room we have to make sure the kids are healthy the sixth grading we should be graduating from high school with a sixth grade reading level of fitness that means you should do a few you should be able to do some push-ups you should be able to hold a plank for at least two minutes you should be able to do some sit-ups and maybe one pull-up <laughs> because yeah. I can't do much. Yeah, can we have a requirement for the valedictorian and along with the 4.0, you also must That's be right. able to do you know these exactly. things. I mean, you guys both talked a second ago somewhat on the, what got me thinking about it is just the uh, the, the self-regulation, uh, you know, the self-governing that we expect the kids to do. And yet we as adults don't have a good record of doing that, especially with health and wellness. And you talked about healthy food. So, you know, I, I don't have a bowl of m and I don't buy M&Ms and put them out uh, because I'll eat them. And so would my kids. Why would they not? So the only way that oh I keep God. them from eating the junk is I don't buy it and I don't put it in the pantry. That's how I've done it. So we're back to you, black and white, you know, clear, clear boundary. And yet the M&Ms of the screen are all all around and, and it's all it's really hard not to. Yeah, it's talking about COVID. So my kids all have uh, iPads or uh, whatever the Mac. Uh, the, what do the high school kids have? They've got some oh, yeah, the Chromebook, Chromebook or something Chromebook. like that. Chromebooks, and they're yeah. giving it to them by the school. So again, unless I'm going to take them out and homeschool them without a screen, they by proxy are given a screen. So now it feels harder to for me to regulate that. So we've got to come up with other, you know, other ways to to do that. But man, that, that is a fight when it is something I can keep the M&Ms away. I can't keep the screen away. So we have to put yeah. boundaries, boundaries and restrictions that people don't want to do. We don't want the conflict. Mm -hmm. We don't want the, the, that's such a social, uh, I mean, you're, you're a pariah if you're not, you know, on there. Um, that's, that's a hard, but then again, we're looking at, there, if we want them to be, I, so I'm thinking about Learning RX. You familiar with Learning RX? Uh, it's no. a franchise around the country where people are generally going to take their kids if there's a learning disability or they're looking for high achievement. Either way, they're kind of a, a both sides there. Well, my wife works for them and they're looking at all the brain training, cognitive training, all these things to do. And I'm, and I'm thinking as we're doing this, do they even talk? about let's talk about what you're feeding your kid because if you're yeah. feeding if the kid just showed up here for his lesson on as you said pop tarts and, and and whatever and hasn't moved for 24 hours we're already a deficit yeah. uh we're we're again we're bl we're blind we're running blind which is again that's your point there and how do we though instill that in the structure of schools which i i, I that's what you're lobbying for right now yeah absolutely I, I mean, I, you know, when I was a kid, this all started uh, with my generation and and Swanson TV dinners yeah. and McDonald's. And I remember they opened the McDonald's 
uh, you know, 10 miles uh, from where I grew up. And I remember going there and it was a big deal, you know, to go to a McDonald's. And it was crack. It was the greatest, you know, uh, McDonald's milkshakes and hamburgers and French fries. And um, it, it, it really is. And, and then it started. But now here we are, you know, uh, 60 years, uh, 50 years later, the schools have the power if we give it to them to to make these changes but but the principals and the uh, superintendents and stuff are fighting the time concept and you know the, the school has to have time for the dare program the school has to have time and and i don't want to get in fights with art teachers and music teachers because i know how important that is but in point of fact Yo-Yo Ma, like you point out, has some level of fitness. Otherwise, he couldn't do what he does, mm-hmm. uh, you know, musically. And um, and and I and and so we've got to start when when the principals and the teachers sit down to make a curriculum. They've got to start with okay, where the kids going to run around in the morning? We get the kids here early, run around for fifteen minutes. Okay, now they go to classes. Okay, now it's uh, eleven o'clock. Now they go to, you know, gym class or it's 1030. They go to gym class. Then they, you know, they have another class and then they go to lunch and they have recess. You know, they have to really put that California in 1866 legislated two exercise periods a day for, for school children. 1866. How many of these kids you know, were, were watching TV in 1866, you know, and eating uh, French fries? Yet they they knew the importance of revving these kids' hearts up twice a day to get them to learn anything. That was that was California. They're always ahead of the game, you know. Have have and, studies have any studies been done, Dan, uh, in an educa- in a formal education environment where they've taken kids and without changing the curriculum have just focused on you know food and exercise? Because if it did, I would have to say that they were going to come out with higher grades. It, it, it's 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 going to be it's not even close. It would be easy to do. There have been some schools, as you know, uh, that have done it. And Rady talks about this in his book. Why hasn't every school said, hold it? If they can do it, you know, why why don't we do it? And, and you you don't need the money. I think that one of the uh, because one of the schools that did it was this school up in Saskatchewan, and, and you know this poor uh, ADHD you know school of last resort, and they did it. They got the kids exercising. So again, as we keep saying, the data is there. It, there just seems to be this inertia uh, on the part of us as adults, and that's why I talked to the PTA the other night, and I'm talking to the school board, you know, next week, and I'll, and I'll talk to anybody. But there's just this inertia. And because I, I, I think we just don't believe it uh, because we don't understand it. Yeah. We don't believe how addictive that video game and, 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 and that Facebook and that uh, computer time with our, our, our boyfriends and girlfriends is. Do you get pushback from the educational institutes? Some of them feeling like, hey, we we are here for academia. And while we agree with you on this food and exercise stuff, that should be that should be the parent's responsibility. Is there ever that perspective? Not as much as you would think, 
they know it. Everybody knows this. And, and it's not just in America. Everybody knows this around in all Western countries. Everybody sees what the kids are doing and not doing compared to, you know, 50 years ago. And yet, when the, when it, when the time comes for big change, we just seem to be incapable of doing that. And, uh, and, and, and my example where I live is, is that if you said to the, these people 70 years ago, Turn off your lights because the Germans are out there. Would they say no? You know, the greatest generation didn't say no way. We're not turning off the lights. Screw you. Nobody can tell me I'm an American. You know, they turned off their lights, and the Germans. You know, and most people didn't get bombed. And I just don't understand it. And so, right, we have all this data. We know these kids are sick. We know a, a, a solution. We just can't seem to make it happen, and that. To me, and maybe I'm, I'm I'm going too far afield now. That to me seems like the new America. And when JFK and Eisenhower saw this happening, they made changes, and it didn't it didn't stick. But they saw the problem, and and there was a groundswell. But now we can't even get people to wear masks. You know. So where is your, where is your, I, I mean, I, granted, so you, this is where your effort is. You yeah. are making this effort, this initiative to educate and to motivate these educational institutions to instill this. Where is your, if I can ask, where is your primary hope in that? Great. That, that's, thank you. This has to be a call to action. So we are introducing legislature in the New Hampshire uh, uh, House this autumn to get this done. And it's going to get shot down. But that's why I'm also talking to the PTAs and, 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 and the school boards. And so if we can hit it from both sides, if we can uh, do a grassroots campaign and start getting some legislation, legislation in there, that's that that I think is our hope. I mean, Michelle Obama tried to make a big push for the, the food and she got shot down. And, and what's going on in our schools now? Well, Sodexo is back there, but Sodexo is not evil. If you told Sodexo, we we have to have good food in our schools, Sodexo would do it because you know, they're they're the they're the customer and they're going to do uh, um, what they're told. So we have to, it's a call to action. And one of the things I have on my website, survivalofthefit.net, are downloadable um, letters that I've written that you just fill in your school, your teacher, or your governor. whatever but you can download these and personalize them and send it and send it to all these people and with the hope that if we just get enough people and we get this out there because again despite all the data the word has not gotten out there that this is not optional this is not gray this is black and white and our kids are suffering because we can't seem to make the move. And 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 uh, Dr. James, you'll appreciate this. I guarantee you in 10 years, they're gonna look up and say, you know, our electronic medical records are not working. 
We've got to get them so they all talk to each other. And that is going to cost billions and billions, right? But that's going to happen. Well, if we had just done it 10 years ago, <laughs> where everybody knew what the concept of medical, electronic medical records were, but we couldn't pull that off as, as, a, uh, as a nation. And instead, you know, whereas Singapore and these other people have been able to do it, we couldn't do it. I feel like now, if we don't do something 25 years ago, finally the bell is going to ring and that generation is finally going to say, We've, you know, we've been given a mess again by the baby boomers <laughs> and we've got to do something. And then the legislation is going to be flying. The, so here we are in the middle of it. And another consequence with maybe it's Sodexo or whoever else, but our local school system, because of the subsidy system, because of the unimaginable complexity behind the scenes, it's free lunches. And I, I think, you know, I talked with your boys about it the other day. So I have put a lot of work and effort into trying to teach my kids, eat this, don't eat that, whatever. But then they, he goes to school and it's a free lunch and it's not broccoli. <laughs> right. It is That's it. the worst of the acceptable you know, RDA of uh, vitamins and minerals and whatever, but it, it's, it's a dried up pizza, I was hamburger. Say none of it, according to, you know, Michael Paul and food rules, there's no food there. There's yeah. enough food yeah, yeah, yeah. to sustain life, but not sustain a brain that's going to be happy and learn Vibrant, well and, yeah. and, and to be, have capacity and function. And that's where I think that, like you're saying, we are years away from people finally going, oh my gosh, let's, let's quit smoking. Let's, let's actually start doing exercise and paying attention to the kind and quality of nutrients that are going into the schools. We have to. And it's, so here we are in your action items. The call to action is to the parents, to the schools, to the people and the grassroots pieces and all of that. It, it just, I mean, honestly, I'm, I, it feels insoluble. So I'm going to put it back to you and say, okay, are there blue zones within the public school area? Where can I look to for some encouragement? Yeah. And that's an excellent um, analogy. And, and, and uh, on one of uh, a webinar uh, that I was giving for the book, I had a woman say that she says, you know, we sh our town should be a blue zone, you know. And I'm like, oh my god, talk about upping the ante! I just want to get these kids to go into PE every day, yeah. and you want to make a blue zone. I want to make a blue zone, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? But it's that attitude, and where you find that attitude is in the blue zones, but you also find it in the private schools. So if you go uh, uh, six miles from here over to Holderness School, and you go up. 100 miles to Burke Mountain uh, Academy. Those are blue zones. Those kids are getting the exercise, they're getting good food, and they're they're getting academia. And everybody in on the campus is part of it. Everybody on campus is part of establishing that blue zone, if you will. And why can't we have that in our public schools? Uh, I, 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 I think it was Roger Angel some famous writer at the beginning of his career, he went and he, he was in private school and he interviewed Phil, 
Fierro, I can't say his name, LaGuardia, the old New York City mayor. This was whatever, back in the 20s or, or 30s. And he was interviewing him and, and LaGuardia was bragging about the New York City public schools. And he's like, nope, we, we have the best schools in the country and you know our kids get it. And I'm thinking to myself, do most New York do do the New York City mayors and um, we're getting a new mayor here in Boston? Can they say that? Do they have that blue zone? That, no, nobody has a better school than us. Nobody has a. You prove it. We have you know great facilities. We have great teachers. We have you know everybody is pulling in the direction of teaching our kids and getting our kids healthy. So I I think you're absolutely right. The rich keep getting richer. Why should it just be? the private schools who get to be in the blue zones. Why can't we get in the public schools? And LaGuardia did establish, you know, it's this insanely great and, and all the bright uh, Nobel prize winners, et cetera, et cetera, that came out of, sorry, we were doing so good, <laughs> came out of the New York City public schools. Why can't we have that pride again? And, and how silly is it to, to feel like that? We can do that. You know, we, we, we can do that as Americans and, and as uh, Irish and as, 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 as British and French and, and Chinese. We can do all that stuff, but, but we just don't seem to want to anymore. Well, so I'll, I'll ask then from a tangible call to action to everybody listening to these, which the majority of the folks listening to this are going to be, you know, aspiring people and, and mostly parents. So they've got kids or they're involved with kids to say, what can they do on two fronts? One is what would be a first, again, call to action or, or action step on the advocating towards the, these educational institutes, institutions that our kids are in. And, and then stepping aside from them and go, okay, we're going to try to do all we can to get things to happen there. But then outside of that, what would be your primary to-do list for the parents towards their kids? Number one, physical education every day for kindergartners and next year for first graders. And, and, and it's just in the curriculum. And you know what? Teachers and, and principals make it figure it out. Don't tell me there's not enough time, just figure it out. And, and, and not giving these kids access to the computers and the Chromebooks. And again, I know we're talking at a tough time right now, yeah. but hopefully let's pretend it's six months from now, get them away from the screens. And, um, and, and, and I really, I want to start that small because I know that, to get, and, and I, I think you guys were talking about it on, on one of your other podcasts, high schoolers are not getting any PE. And, and so let's forget about that. It's not gonna happen. And so my, my call to action would be in your school district, number one, start out with kindergarten and first grade and make sure they have PE every kid every day. And that is built in and is going to continue up through graduation. And number two, Put this the the the, the food um, 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 service put their feet to the fire and and get decent food in there, and at least the kids going to get uh, one or two good meals a day. And number three, my my aspirational wish: 
we are all in this together. The lunch ladies, the custodians, the, the, the coaches, we all are speaking with one voice. As you know, when you're running a clinic, if, if my assistant, my trainer, somebody opens their mouth, my words are going to come out or, you know, whoever I, and when I open my mouth, my professor's words come out and such. And, and, and this is how the game works, best practices and, 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 and education. And so that has to be, and, and, and these people have to be valued. The lunch ladies and the custodians, their, their thoughts and their work has to be valued. But if we get that going, then, then we're going to have, it's a game changer. Then it's, it's, it's a revolution, which is what I talk about. You know, on just the structure, I just want to, to put this out there. That, again, we're talking about this, but, you know, we're, we're living it. And I've got three kids at home, eight, 11, and 12 years old. And yeah, again, back to the M&M analogy. If it's out there, they're going to eat them. So we take the, you know, we don't let the food be there. But with the screens that it is now, my kids are used yeah. to it. So as I say this and parents are hearing it, it's going to be a bigger fight for some of them. But when I take away the screens, they don't waste much time. We may have a minute of, oh, you know, I'm kind of bored, but generally and, and, you know, granted, I've got the benefit of having multiple. So they've got built in friends right there, but they are immediately this happened last last week. All of a sudden they're gone. And, and for hours, I don't hear them go up and they're in one of the rooms doing a stuffed animal zoo or something like that. But they're just they're all over the place. They're moving and crawling and jumping and bouncing and whatever. Or they're outside on the trampoline or they're playing Legos or they're you know, they're doing something. Away. But it takes me providing that structure that management because they're not going to self-regulate if we if i allow them that at some point especially with the younger ones we've just got to take them away now different than our teenage kids where now it's an educating and i feel like inspiring with that balance of how much do we enforce i mean that is hard i feel like that's still going to be even with this message a lot of people are going to end this show and then sit back and go, Oh my gosh, what do I do? Talk. Well, you said it, it's uh, you said, this is a, an avocation avocation. I mean, it is a, it is a life change to do it in this culture. I guess to some degree, I want to say you know, there are things to do, but I want to commiserate that, man, it's a, it is a battle. It is, it is a, I don't even know. I don't know what to relate it to from our childhood. There's nothing so. No. And, and I think that's a, I was going to actually go there that this is unprecedented. We never Unpre- had yeah. this level of, it oh, is yeah. now so easy to not be active. And a hundred years ago, you had to be active. So it's, it's not conspiratorial. I don't blame Facebook or Google. It's, they are, they are, they are optimizing for people's attentions and we're people. So attention gets diverted over here and we don't have to go out into the fields all day long for our food. So now it is, we are optimized for inactivity and it is hard. And so we, as the parents in this case, we're morally obligated to at least engage and begin the process of defining for our kids, the border, the structure. And every family's gonna do that differently. And and then I, I look over at the public side of things and I think, okay, that's a lot harder because now it's electing your school board and all of that, but at least engage with our friends, our neighbors and, and, and the conversation. So I'm already formulating one of your letters to our local PE and, and we know her because my wife is a coach. 
They're, we're coaching our kids. She's a coach of some other team, and I know she'll be on board. It's like, okay, let's let's make a change and go. Yeah. Well, go to the, go to the website. The templates are there, and you yeah. can add to that. What and, can you um, say the website yeah. again? Well, I'll put it in the I'll, intro. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Excellent. Excellent. But it's uh, yeah. And, and that's why I say that's why I say I don't want to start trouble <laughs> with all the 16 year olds out there. That's why I want to start with the with the four and five and six year olds, because, you know, we'll, we'll they won't lose their physical identity. And that's it. We're fighting this with a positive. Yeah. The positive is mother nature and physical identity. And guess what? That's that's a tremendous weapon. And that's what we're fighting with. We're not telling that drug addict to just say no, you know, that we know that doesn't work, yeah. you know, but we're, we're fighting it. And mother nature, you know, is, is a pretty powerful ally in this. And, and, and for, for those of us who have the ability to use it, you know, and live in a place where you can use it, you use it, but even places like Boston and, and, and Philadelphia and stuff, there are, um, Groups and, 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 you know, I'm in touch with a, a fellow who's uh, doing something down in Boston with a group of kids, making sure they uh, get get part, get Mother Nature into their system every week. So. Well, and, and to that, you know, I'm even thinking about the reality, especially of uh, in a big populated area, which the majority of Americans are in. They are in a populated area where if they are to take their kid and take away the screen and say, find something to do. If that kid walks outside, chances are they're not going to find another kid. Which is yeah. is that? Which brings me again to the maybe that the necessity of an investment to get your kid in some kind of a formal again sport uh, or you know, you know karate or gymnastics whatever something that's going to to foster that. I mean, you know, in this when you come back to what your effort is here. And you mentioned before that the healthcare, well, you did the healthcare system. That's what we're looking at. I mean, again, we're right at, yeah, now we've hit 5 trillion or so. I mean, we're in something that's untenable. I mean, we're five years, 10 years. I mean, this is not working out. Something, the, the, something's going to, to hit. And it feels like they would be inviting you to the White House right now and say, man, this is the only hope we've got. If we don't yeah, get yeah, these yeah. kids understanding health and investing in their health, it's it's a diabolical thing train wreck so this isn't some i don't see you in some altruistic position i, I it, they need to put you in the white house to some, <laughs> i mean seriously i mean but where is it going to go this i mean this is happening this is it's back yeah. to the unprecedented thing this is unprecedented and it is an absolute train wreck and as you said though people aren't believing it but we're seeing this, this the data is there it, it is it's hard not to it's to put it's, a, it's it's hard not to despair. It it is. And, it is. Yeah. And in my because it feels insoluble. And I think that's partly why people say, ah, it's insoluble. Let's right. just find what's right. new on Netflix. So my inspiration is I'm motivating myself. No, I got it. it I, I figured it out. So uh tomorrow morning, now tomorrow Saturday. Okay, <laughs> on the weekdays, uh let's take next Monday morning. Let's take all the kids' computers and stuff and bring them with us to work. And when they get the call from the kids going, it's right here. Just come get it. Just walk over here and come just get hike it. down and come. <laughs> That'll get be it. your first 15 minutes of exercise. Yep, there you go. There you go. That's one way to do it. <laughs> but that is where at I'm, the end of the day, uh, even, you know, watching the, the, you know, our kids growing up and I feel like I had more fun. I feel like my friends and I, and I, had, I, I remember very well, one of my patients, this kid, 
you know, fun kid. And he wanted to do something. His uncle had a house somewhere. And he says, I can't get any of my lame ass friends to go and do this. And, and, and I was like, and he, I, when I was a kid, man, there was, if you had something like that, somebody said, my uncle has a house wherever I'm there. <laughs> We're going. And um, it's so funny. The kids aren't having as much fun. Well, you're back to your diseases of despair that I see that too, that yeah. without having an interest, there was a, a meme that's been going around, man, I probably got on one of the computers, but it's ultimately saying, you know, we're not going to experience the next great painter because he's never going to pick up a brush yeah, or a pen and right. doodle. We're not going to find right. the next scientist because they're not going to go right. experiment. Right. And I'm back to, to you. Yeah. When we were kids, we, you know, we didn't have anything else to do. And so right. we went and played or we found an interest. I was recently reading Matthew McConaughey's new book, Green Lights. Wow. That's, that's everybody's reading. Somebody got it for me. And I read part of it and he talks about this summer where he said nothing else to do and he got the idea and he got access he actually stole a bunch of lumber uh, but he went and built a treehouse. i mean sure. and, and that's what i think exactly we do. and that was the joy of that i appreciate you pulling that out that it was just more yeah. fun because it was a this is something that i bit keep coming back to we had a a deeper fun a, a deeper so the kids can pick up the phone and get that you know, like Simon Sinek has gotten yeah. so famous, get that quick dopamine hit, but it's really shallow. It's really quick, but it's really shallow. And over here, they're missing out on the deeper joy, the deeper fulfillment. And yeah, I do too. I, I agree. We had, we had more fun. I, I think yeah. my generation, we had more fun than I'm seeing the kids have right now at the, at the altar of the screens. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I'm voting you into the White House at some level if I <laughs> if I can. I, but, yeah. I, but I appreciate you coming, you know, obviously doing the work, doing what you're doing. But I am eager to advocate for what you're doing and join that because I didn't think about it. I was just thinking about kids and the lack of health. I wasn't thinking about and now my mind's on that, that this is that I don't know what hope there is to not have in five years, the five trillion be 10 trillion. And how are we going to foot that bill unless we come back and deal with the kids? So not only is this matter for my kid, it matters for, for all of our livelihood, because this isn't something that's going to be, I don't think come to fruition that the, 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 the trillion dollars, it's going to happen in our lifetime still. I mean, we're going to, something's, yeah. something's yeah. going to hit, something's going to change and affect us all maybe to the degree that COVID has at this point. Yeah. There is a sense of convergence with a worldwide communication system, a worldwide pandemic, a worldwide, everything's coming together and the speed at which the cost and the money is happening. You're right. I think there's going to be a, you know, big kinds of things ha happening, a reckoning. Yeah. And um, so I'm, I'm motivated and convicted. You've got two converts here. Dr. O'Neill. Uh, we'll oh, see how you. many thousands we can <laughs> two get at a time. Through, through the audience. Hey, again, yeah, thank you for what you do. Uh, thank you for giving us your time and uh, educating us here. Yeah, it's great. It was my pleasure. And um, I was really excited for this conversation, listening to some of your other conversations. And uh, yeah, so I was like, I knew it would be a fun hour for sure. It was good. It has, thank you so much. All right, All right guys. Friends, that again was Dr. Daniel O'Neill, and his book is Survival of the Fit, How Physical Education Ensures Academic Achievement and a Healthy Life. And again, you can find him at 
survivalofthefit.net. Friends, thank you for tuning into Self Helpful, where I curate the sea of new personal development materials and help you integrate wisdom into your life because we all want to elevate our own experience and improve the way we show up for others. 